0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast, I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the feast of Pope St. Gregory the Great. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And with your spirit.
0: To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy.
0: Christ, have mercy.
1: Christ, have mercy.
0: Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy. mercy.
0: Let us pray. O God, who care for your people with gentleness and rule them in love. Through the intercession of Pope St. Gregory, endow, we pray, with the spirit of wisdom, those to whom you have given authority to govern, that the flourishing of a holy flock may become the eternal joy of the shepherds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen.
2: A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians make no mistake about it if any one of you thinks of himself as wise in the ordinary sense of the word then he must learn to be a fool before he can really be wise why because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to god as scripture says the lord knows wise men's thoughts he knows how useless they are or again God is not convinced by the arguments of the wise. So there is nothing to boast about in anything human. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life and death, the present and the future, are all your servants. But you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.
2: To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it.
0: To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it.
2: The Lord's is the earth and its fullness, the world and all its peoples. It is He who set it on the seas, on the waters He made it firm.
0: To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it.
2: Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place? The man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things.
0: To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it.
2: He shall receive blessings from the Lord, and reward from the God who saves him. Such are the men who seek him. Seek the face of the God of Jacob.
0: To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it.
2: Alleluia, alleluia. Come, follow me, says the Lord, and I will make you fishers of my people. Alleluia.
0: The Lord be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus was standing one day by the lake of Gennesaret, with the crowd pressing round him listening to the word of God, when he caught sight of two boats close to the bank. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, ''Put out into deep water and pay out your nets for a catch.'' ''Master,'' Simon replied, ''we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. ''But if you say so, I will pay out the nets.'' And when they had done this, they netted such a huge number of fish that their nets began to tear, so they signalled to their companions in the other boat to come and help them. When these came, they filled the two boats to sinking point. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus, saying, Leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were completely overcome by the catch they had made. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on it is men you will catch. Then bringing their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: You know, in the gospel, we're dealing with one of these masterpiece moments, the the calling of Peter, um, and there's just so much to say about this gospel. But what's interesting for me um, at this point is that it was a gospel that sort of shaped Pope John Paul II's vision for the third Christian millennium. You see, having used Peter's boat as a kind of stage to teach the crowds... Jesus then gives the fishermen an instruction. Put out into deep water and pay out your nets for a catch. And it was that phrase, put out into deep water, that really captured Pope John Paul II, and which he presented to the rest of the church as a great instruction of what we're to do for the third millennium. So at the end of the great Jubilee year of 2000, he wrote a document called Novo Millenio in Aunte, at the beginning of the new millennium. And I'll just read to you quickly the beginning of this document, what he wrote. At the beginning of the new millennium, and at the close of the great jubilee during which we celebrated the 2000th anniversary of the birth of Jesus, and a new stage of the church's journey begins. Our hearts ring out with the words of Jesus, when one day, after speaking to the crowds from Simon's boat, he invited the apostle to put out into the deep for a catch. Duc in altum. Peter and his first companions trusted Christ's words and cast the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Duc in altum. These words ring out for us today, and they invite us to remember the past with gratitude, to live the present with enthusiasm, and to look forward to the future with confidence. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Now what interests me, though, is that this document, Novo Millennio Ineonte, was um, published on the Feast of the Epiphany in 2001. It was the end of the Jubilee year, the closing of the Holy Door in St. Peter's Basilica and in the other Holy Doors around the world – And you can hear this kind of really hopeful expectation coming from Pope John Paul II. This idea that the third Christian millennium is something to look forward to with tremendous hope because the church receives this great instruction from Christ to put out into the deep, to let down our nets for a catch, for a catch that will be truly miraculous. So what's happened in the meantime? Um. Well... From the 6th of January 2001 until the 11th of September 2001, the world really shifted. 9-11 and the terrorist attack in New York kicked off the war on terror. So what have we had since then? Um, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, tensions in Iran, a lot of war. We've had some extraordinarily destructive natural disasters. I mean, remember the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004, just how it ripped through so many different countries in the Indian Ocean. And then, of course, we've had a few little health scares. Um, SARS, swine flu. Remember Zika? Um, And apparently there's something called coronavirus that's going around at the moment. And, of course, in the church just after 2001, that's when the sexual abuse crisis really hit hard and the reality of the church's recent history began to press upon her and, you know, all of the fallout that's come from that. I suppose since the beginning of the third Christian millennium, we've seen the rise of a post-Christian era when the rest of our culture kind of Climbed up the ladder of Christianity to, you know, reach the level that it had and, you know, is now trying to push the ladder away, believing it's no longer necessary. After these first 20 years of the new millennium, when, you know, John Paul II wrote of such hopeful expectation of the future that's coming in this new, what he called a Christian millennium, but is is sort of turning out to be a kind of anti-Christian millennium. Was he just being naive? Just being optimistic? in the hope that, you know, what had gone in the past would, you know, get better and that we'd be on this ever greater path of progress and improvement. Did he expect there to be more baptisms into the church? Did he expect there to be greater numbers coming to Mass? Did he expect an explosion in vocations to the priesthood and the religious life? Is that where he's coming from? No. While... I think not even John Paul II could have written the script for the last 20 years. Um, We also can't write the script for the 980 years left in the rest of this millennium. But his hope for the future was grounded in the instruction of Christ. To put out into the deep. To let out our nets for a catch. Now Simon has a moment where he kind of pauses and says to the Lord Master we worked hard all night long and caught nothing well fair enough you know remember when jesus gets into their boat they're they're busy mending their nets and washing them they've had in their hands these useless nets that have brought in nothing the fishermen themselves have come to the conclusion that there's no fish and yet the and yet here comes the instruction put out into the deep dook In Altum, and at the Lord's command, there's a miraculous catch. This is the program of the church's future, and this is the program for our own individual future. You see, I think we can look at this passage in you know sort of a a global perspective and say, okay, well, boat, apostles inside. We you know we're talking about the church putting out into the deep waters of the world and and there casting its nets. But I think there's also kind of a personal dimension that's brought out here because each of us needs to put out into the deep of our own lives. You see, after this miraculous catch, Peter goes to Jesus and says, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. That just as he's had these nets in his hands and seen how they've so often come to nothing, So too, he examines his own life, his own own sinfulness, his own weakness, and has seen that, like the nets, that so much can come to nothing. At the Lord's instruction, Peter throws out the nets, expecting the same to happen again, empty, nothing. But what Peter doesn't know is what those nets can be in Christ's hands. It's much the same for us. Peter says, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And yet, Peter doesn't know what the Lord can do with our own lives, with our own useless nets. He can transform us. He can turn us into something so much more, so much greater. The merely human estimation of the fisherman as to what is out there and what can possibly be caught is the same kind of measure that we apply to our own lives. We we think too small, too narrow. We don't know what God's grace can do within us. And so we receive the instruction. Put out into the deep. Pay out your nets for a catch. Don't be held captive by the limits of the past. Don't be held captive by the measure that we apply. Listen to the word of God. And don't be afraid of the deep. That's the ground for John Paul's hope. It's not naivety, it's not optimism, it's not an expectation that there's just going to be simple, constant progress towards a greater comfort or ease. It's the fact that Jesus is in our boat, that he's the one who directs us into the deep, and that he's the one who asks us to pay out that which in our hands had proven to be useless, but in his hands becomes miraculous. Health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will